How's it going, guys? I hope you're doing well. Um, like they said, my name is Pastor Dylan. I'm the youth and young adult pastor here, so uh, tune in for some, some awesomeness. Um, as you may see, I have some of these things up here. They're called scrub daddies. Has anybody ever heard of these before? Yeah, they were on Shark Tank uh, back in the day. And the, the, the owner of Scrub Daddy uh, was this super passionate guy about cleaning, obviously. And uh, he came up with these things. And actually, I'm going to hand them out to you guys. So uh, if you, if you uh, walk away with the Scrub Daddy today, good for you. If not, uh, you can always come back in the next service to, f- to potentially get another one. Um, but I'm actually going to throw them out. And, and there's a reason I'm going to, I'll explain it all in a second. But um, yeah, oh, these actually kind of go a little bit. <laughs> Jamie, come on, that was right to you. Yep. <laughs> Lois, heads up. <laughs> there we go. There, one more. Let's see if I can get one up, up there. Ready? Oh, I missed. <laughs> Over here, this time. Oh, I put a lot of oomph in that. I think I threw up my shoulder. (laughs) That that didn't feel great. Okay. But the thing about these scrub daddy, I'll chuck this one out too in a sec. The thing about the scrub daddy is when you get them warm, they become very malleable, very like, you know, you can move them around, you can fit them inside cups, you can... Uh, I don't know, put them into small areas. But when they're dry or when they're cold, they're actually very rigid. They're kind of like sandpaper. And oftentimes I actually think, and, and this is Pastor Dylan and his grocery store illustrations, but I think oftentimes the human heart can be kind of like a scrub daddy. Or often when it's cold... We become very hard and very calloused. And when it's soft and warm, we become malleable and shaped into the image of love. You see, a lot of times I actually think that uh, in Christianity, especially in evangelicalism, we, we, we speak and preach a lot about behavior modification instead of heart transformation. What I mean by that is actually a lot of the times we say, hey, if you do all these things, if you stop sinning and you start doing these right things, God will bless you. And not only will he bless you, but he'll protect your life. He'll keep your life. He'll make your life better. But what about giving you a new one, a new life completely? So here's the last one. There we go. Oh, right in between. Split the difference. What if there's a new way to sponge? And actually, here's what I mean by this. Where we set our intentions directly correlates to the trajectory of our lives. So if you'd like, you can turn with me to 1 John 4. It's in the New Testament. It's written by this guy named John, who also wrote uh, the gospel according to John and Revelation. And uh, I'm reading out of the ESV, starting in verse 7. Beloved, 
Let us love one another. For love is from God. And anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Pause there for a second. You see, John, uh, a little character study. Uh, If you read the gospel according to John, you'll actually find out that this dude, at one point, his nickname was one of the sons of thunder. And you're like, oh, you know, why why is this guy son of thunder? That's kind of like, I mean, I wish I had a cool nickname. Um, I guess my nickname when I played hockey was Ovi, and that really made me feel really good because one of the greatest hockey players ever is named Alexander Ovechkin. But... You think like sons of thunder. Why is this? And actually this same John, uh, at one point, Jesus and the rest of his disciples were walking through Samaria and they came across this inn and they actually experienced uh, first century racism because they were denied a room in Samaria. And when they, they were denied this room, the same guy, the same guy, John, says, Jesus, should we call down fire from heaven to completely destroy them? So this guy's like, you know, some may say his actions are justifiable. Some may say this dude's a little dramatic. But either way, this guy is, is, he's this like super kind of like, before he meets Jesus, he's this fisherman, but he's also like this kind of like, oh, you know, very intense guy and and very like, ah, God, you know what I mean? And in, in, in 1 John 4 here, he writes this from jail. He says, beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. It's a pretty crazy thing. John here is saying that actually the first time anything about God's character is revealed is actually all the way back in the, in the book of Exodus. In, in, in chapter 34 and verse 6, it says, The Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God. And here, John is expanding on the character of God, saying that, no, God just, it isn't just one of his attributes to be loving, but he is love himself. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. It's a powerful word. I mean, how many of us have been at the grocery store, and uh, the same person just seems to like keep cutting us off, I don't know, like I've been to No Frills or Costco. I got the scrub daddies at Costco too, by the way, if you're looking to get your own. But Costco is this like, invi- like I'm like, oh, you know, I get angry when I'm there for some reason. Like, I love the place. It's like heaven on earth to me, kind of. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, people don't know how to use their shopping carts and like, they're constantly getting in the way. And I'm like, why are you doing this to me? And then I think like, why am I the only one going through this? And they become really hard to love in those moments. 
In, in verse 9, it says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this, love, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He's saying, hey, look, the love of God was made manifest among you in the person of Jesus. And he's saying that actually because of Jesus, we actually don't need to have the same kind of heart. We don't have to have the, 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 the cold, hard, calloused heart that we used to. Continuing on in verse 13, he says, By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Pause there. So very much so, John is making this direct correlation that actually we who abide in him have been given the Spirit, and with that, we have testified and seen that the Father actually is love because we have seen the Son. It says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Well, as we just read in the previous, in verse 7 and 8, it says, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. So it seems like the entire purpose of Jesus' coming is not to actually change us from good to bad. It's not to change our behavior. It's not to say like, hey, look, we did this thing and now we're not doing this thing. Look how good I am. But it's actually to give us a whole new way of living. A whole new way to be human. We don't have to continue to struggle and strive and, and, and try to work for approval or God's love, but actually he's given us his spirit. That if we abide in him, we can walk in step with his spirit, that we can be attuned to his spirit, that we can walk in love, especially to the people at Costco, especially to them. He says, whoever confesses, that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. It's a powerful statement. Continuing on in verse 17, John says this, By this is love perfected with us, so that we might have confidence for the day of judgment, because he is so also, because as he is, so also are we in the world? Therefore, uh, there is no uh, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. 
If, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he, ha- whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. It's a fascinating thing. Again, this like John is just so filled with like this incredible wisdom. And and to give you a little side note as well, in, in church history, he's he's you know, Jesus calls him the son of thunder. He's this like, you know, forceful dude. And then in first John, the word love or loving is used 46 times. You see, Jesus transformed his identity to be one of the sons from one of the sons of thunder to in church history. Now he's called the apostle of love. And that's what Jesus is in the business of doing. He doesn't want you to be bitter. He doesn't want you to be cold or calloused. His will for you is that you would walk in love according to his spirit, that you would be able to see people all created in the image of God even when they're not living up to it. That you could see people as he sees people. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. That's a crazy thing. The day of judgment, the Bible says the day of judgment is filled with weeping and gnashing of teeth and it's a dark and scary day. Yet John here is saying by this, Love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in the world. He's saying that as Jesus walked, so are you walking. And so that finally, when you stand before God, you can actually say, God, look who I am like. I'm like Jesus in the world. That's wild. That's a completely different way to be human. Completely. Where everything says like, ah, you know, uh, struggle and strive and, and, and try your hardest and, and, you know, all these things. I'm not saying that that's, those aren't bad things, but at the same time, God is saying there's a new way. It's a completely new way. There is no fear in love. The perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. As he is, so also are we in the world. You see, uh, in the gospel of John, the same dude who, who wrote this letter, he writes something else very fascinating. In John 20, this is after Jesus' resurrection. This is what he says in verse 21. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent him, so he is sending you. Your new purpose in life is not to be whatever 
uh, occupation you're doing. It's not to be an accountant or a financial advisor. It's not to be a teacher. Your new thing, your new vocation in life is to walk in love. And as Jesus was sent by the Father, so he is sending you. Your new purpose in life is to go to the world, make disciples of all nations, and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that Jesus commanded. And he is with you to the end of the age. That's your purpose. That is why you exist. Baseline. That's what God is calling you to. He's saying, walk in love and do this, and you will have life and life to the full, I promise you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all else will be provided to you. He's also saying, you can refuse to let your circumstances dictate whether or not you can shine whether or not you can walk in love. Very often, I think, as human beings, we justify why we don't look like Jesus. We justify why we don't love people. I know I do. I'm super guilty of this. I'm super guilty of thinking everybody at Costco sucks all the time, even though it's my promised land, kind of. I think there's Costco in heaven. Just my opinion. but you can refuse to let your circumstances dictate whether or not you can shine. You can refuse to to let your spouse dictate whether or not you can shine. You can refuse to let your coworkers dictate whether or not you can shine. You can walk in the world as he did. That's what John says. That's what John says is possible, that as he was in the world, so are we. Going back to the gospel of John, in John 15, you may, you may say like Jesus or, or Dylan, you know, I, I, I get it. You know, this is all fine and dandy and stuff. And it's a good message about love and whatnot. But how is this possible? In, first John, or, uh, in John 15, verses 1 to 5, this is what he says. This is Jesus talking. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Those are some intense words from Jesus. Jesus is saying that, you know, he is. So several times in the Gospels, Jesus makes this uh, I am statement. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the true vine. I am the good shepherd. He, he says these things. And actually it's again, looking back all the way to Exodus in Exodus three fourteen, It's the very first time God reveals his name. And he says, I am the, I am to Moses at the burning bush moment. So when Jesus says these words, I am the true vine, I am the good shepherd. He's actually saying that he is the same God from the Old Testament. 
And it's fascinating. It's so, so, so cool. Because the same God in the Old Testament is the same God who made manifest Jesus to us, who came in the form of a baby. And why did he do that? Well, God desires closeness with you. He desires togetherness and affinity with you. So actually, you can call him by name and you can know him personally. That's also why Jesus came. Jesus lived, died, and rose again so that you may know God. John 17, 3 says this, eternal life, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. So it's like eternal life is not coming to church. It's not praying a prayer. It's actually knowing God. It's knowing him personally. And, and this, the whole, this whole thing is only possible because of what Jesus did. It's only possible. And I think very much so, you become like who you hang out with. John Mark Comer, uh, in his book, God Has a Name, he says this, Yahweh, that's God's name, is compassionate. We are to be. Love your enemy. God would not ask you to do something he would not do himself. And I think about this too. I think about the hard people in life to love. Oh, there's a lot of them, right? I have, uh, I've told this story at my uh, young adults before. But I have this neighbor, okay, I'm not going to say where she is in in my neighborhood, Um, but I have this neighbor, and this neighbor is like one of those neighbors at apartment complexes who has to have control of absolutely everything, and so uh, we we just did this building, massive building reno or whatever, we just didn't do it, it happened like eight months ago, Um, so not just around, you know, whatever. and they completely ripped out all of the floors and, and the floors in the hallways and in the lobby and stuff. And uh, my apartment is right close to the elevator in the lobby. And so uh, they put laminate flooring there. And before it was carpet. And so uh, if you walked in and it was nice and snowy, at least you could like wipe your feet on the carpet and stuff so you didn't track it into your apartment. And then they put this laminate and stuff. And I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm going to put a nice welcome mat. That's awesome. Like a nice little welcome mat. Make it homey and stuff, and it'll look great. And uh, I'm going to leave one day. And this neighbor of mine comes up to me and tells me that she's going to phone the, the buildings, uh, whatever they are, the, the condo management company, uh, because what I'm doing is a fire hazard. And if basically I don't repent for my sins, I'm going to pay over a floor mat, a rug. And in my brain, I was like, man, this lady is going to get it. I'm going to scream at her and tell her how wrong she is. And, you know, I'm going to get fired up and all this stuff. And then I thought about it for a moment. And Paul's words in Romans came through my mind where it says, do your best to live at peace with everyone. And even though this lady was being super hard to love in that moment, I kind of just went, yeah, okay, I'm going to do it. I'll take the carpet down. I'll take the rug down. That's fine. 
And uh, yeah, not, I'm not going to get into the story about how every time I start my motorcycle in the morning, she always comes up to me and complains when I get home from work about how loud it is. It's like nine o'clock. I'm like, lady, come on. Anyways, I think about this stuff. And again, I could have like completely shredded this lady. I could have. I could have, you know, been the sons of thunder. I could have called down fire from heaven to destroy her in this moment. That's what I felt like doing. But at the same time, the why is what matters. You see, we can't have some story when we stand before God at the end of our life as to why we don't look like Jesus. I'm going to say it again. We can't have some story or some excuse when we stand before God as to why we don't look like Jesus. You see, when we let, and we all have uh, things that we've dealt with, we all have sufferings that we've felt and, and, and trials and tribulations that we've gone through and, and things that we could, stories we could use to justify why we are not loving our neighbor and stories we could use to justify why, you know, my story is worse than the next person's and, and all of these things. But at the same time, when you let something matter more than what matters most, that's called unbelief. When you let your story, and I know it's hard, I get it. Life is incredibly difficult. I'm with you there. But when you let that matter more than what matters most, and what matters most is what Jesus has done for you, giving you a second chance, giving you a new heart, that's called unbelief. You see, you are a Christian not to just come to church on Sunday morning, but you're a Christian to manifest Christ in the world. You're a Christian to show people who Jesus is. Let's think about this for a second. Um, some of you, you guys probably, some of you may know the, the Lord's Prayer. Some of you may not, but that's okay. We're just going to go through it. So our Father in heaven, holy is your name. What's the next line? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, when we pray this, we expect miracles. We expect God to move in our lives. But I, in heaven, as we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's no animosity in heaven. There's no backbiting in heaven. There's no pride, no offense, no bitterness in heaven. There's no unresolved conflict or no insecurity, no low esteem in heaven. So why do we pray this prayer and then expect God to move when we are taking so much, where, where we, we just let backbiting and offensive and, and, and bitterness and unresolved conflict and insecurity dominate in our lives? None of those things are compatible with heaven. So why? Why give it all up? Why deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow Jesus? Why get to know him? It was read earlier, found in Isaiah. Isaiah 53. 
This is why. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sins, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by the anguish, by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honor of the victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for them. Finishing off uh, in John's words in 1 John here. At the very end of this passage, he says this. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. And we love God because he loved us first. So let us not have a heart position of a cold scrub daddy. That sounds so weird saying out loud. But let's have the heart posture of one immersed in hot water, malleable, and shaped into the image of him who created him. Let's pray.
Father, thank you so much. Uh, Thank you for making a new way to be human. Because the old way wasn't working. Our way wasn't working. And so you say, abide in me and I will abide in you. You say, apart from me, you can do nothing. And Lord, I know what you mean by that. You say, apart from me, we can have no eternal significance on this earth. So Father, help us. Help us put our eyes on you and fix our hearts, attune our hearts to walk in step with your spirit. Lord, this comes from a personal relationship, really knowing you. Eternal life is knowing you. So Lord, help us spend time with you. Help us get to know you, not get to know a bunch of facts about you, not a bunch of theologies about you, but Lord, really get to know you. Really get to know your character, who you are, what you're like. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And as we approach Christmas, I pray this year we would experience uh, the profoundness of love found in the person of Jesus. That we would really come to understand that God is love and anyone who loves is of God. And that we can love because he first loved us. So Lord, I pray a blessing over everybody in this room. I pray you would move in their hearts, in their minds, in their lives, and that you would do miracles, that you would transform hearts of bitterness, coldness, brokenness, that you would restore what is lacking, that you would do what only you can do. You are truly Lord. You are truly God. There is nobody like you. And yet you desire such personal intimacy with us. You desire to know us personally, Lord. It's a mystery. So Lord, help us see you. Help us know you. Help us walk in love. And as Jesus was on the earth, help us walk according to his will, his purposes, and how he walked. I pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I'm going to have a response time actually right now. Because I actually really think that um, when we choose to make a moment and we choose to set apart a time for response, I actually think that uh, it, it holds significant to our own minds and our own hearts, but also... Um, we make a a pledge before God and we say, Lord, I want to walk with you in these moments too. And so in a moment, uh, I'm going to ask everybody to close their eyes and and bow their heads. Not right now. You don't have to right now. Um, But there's going to be two different responses. If you've never accepted Jesus and his way of life into your own heart, into your own mind, you've never actually desired a personal relationship with him and you would like to, Uh, When all eyes are closed, heads bowed, I just want you to look up at me. And then I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and and bow your heads. And then if you want to walk in that newness of life, like you've already committed your life to Jesus, 
but you actually are going to plant your flag and say, Lord, I want to walk according to the way that Jesus walked on earth. I want to start today loving my neighbor, even the difficult ones. Then I'm going to get you to look up at me as well. So everybody, eyes closed, head bowed. If you've never accepted Jesus and and a personal relationship with him, and you would like to this morning, I want you to look up with me now. Thank you. All right, you can close your eyes. If you want to start walking in this newness of life that Jesus has for you, walking in love and walking on earth as he was on earth, I want you to look up at me. Thank you. 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 You can close your eyes. Father, your heart for us is really kind. And you really do love your children. And we can come to you with boldness, Hebrews says. We can enter into the throne room with boldness. And so, Lord, help us uh, approach you. Help us know you. Help us walk and be sent just as Jesus walked and was sent. Help us live by our higher purpose, our higher calling, our higher vocation to be children of God, making disciples wherever we go. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing today. And and again, I pray a blessing on everybody in this room as they go throughout the week. Lord, walk with them and talk with them just as you desire to. Thank you again. You're so, so, so incredibly kind. The Lord, the Lord, the gracious and compassionate God. Thank you again. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I hope you have a great week. And uh, yeah, go in peace.